welcome to the Understanding Projects podcast. This is Dave Barrett. My discussion today is with Derek Hemmington. I've come to know Derek over the past year, as he has a similar role at another college. That is, he's the program coordinator of Fanshawe College's project management program while I'm at Conestoga College. During our discussion, Derek described his experience as an external consultant, working with organizations to define the scope of the project. During this process, it is necessary to define which organization will develop each deliverable. That is, will the deliverable be within the scope of the consultant's project, or will it be within the scope of the customer's project? Derek describes a number of strategies that he has used to ensure that this is effectively managed. And while the focus of the discussion was on projects where an external consulting organization was involved. The process discussed could also be applied to internal projects. Here is my discussion with Derek Hemmington. Hi Derek, Uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, when we were first setting up this this discussion, um, the title that you suggested or the theme was the elusive pursuit of the real scope when working jointly with customers and that's either internal or external customers so so interesting topic uh and i think one that's really relevant so um so just to start um so what what do you what do you mean by by this and what's sort of the what's what's the um uh what's what's the need or what's the problem behind this that we're trying to solve when you came up with that title well, it, it, um, it's, I find it's been frequently a challenge when you're working with, um, as you said, an internal or external customer where the work is shared, what doesn't matter the split, um, in determining who's going to take what scope. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. If it's a external, maybe the customer is trying to minimize costs from, say, a, a consulting company or the supplier. Uh, internally, it might be maybe a little bit about control. Maybe they don't want their IT department to know certain things about what they're doing. Um, but there's this, there's this little game that goes on where um, uh, you're, you're trying to find exactly what has to be done and who's going to be doing it. And um, it is a game. It goes back and forth and it's iterative. And there's sometimes it works out really well, and sometimes you have to adapt the game to have success. Yeah. So, so let me just let me just like sort of speak that back to you. Um, oftentimes, when we're learning about projects and project man- manager management and man- managers, you know, we're reading you know about it in books and in courses. The assumption always seems to be there is a project manager you know, uh, and representing a team that's going to create something. And then there is a, a, a customer or client who is going to receive everything. And, and the, the roles are completely sort of separate, you know, a provider, mm-hmm. you know, and, and purchaser or receiver. And so what you're describing is a hybrid of that, right? That, you, that the customer in that case, the person receiving it, they're maybe that there's some of the scope of the project that they're going to do themselves. Like they're, they're going to do some of it. And that's, that's the, that's the part that, that is the game or is, is the challenge that you're describing is, is 
that what is on each side of the line like how who's doing you know what is project a doing like mm -hmm. the, the and what is the customer project b doing and, and the management of the scope between those two so is that that's sort of the challenge that you're describing yes it's that shared thing and as i mentioned sometimes it could be cost but other times it's um uh, in the case of an external consultant working for a a, a client the external client sometimes can't do certain things like um, we used to be I used to work for a company we did a lot of data integrations getting a an SAP or an Oracle you know financial or inventory management system to talk to another app right and they different languages a little bit different but part of all of this integration was sometimes data migration and before that was data cleansing so we don't know their data well enough to go in there and cleanse the data and validate it and look for errors. And they, the client had to do that, right? So we're kind of forced into that. And uh, the client will just might say, yeah, we'll do that. But they haven't really, because it doesn't involve a cost in a, in a, a quote, they haven't really thought it through about how long is that going to take? Who's going to do it? Um, if they're running out of time, do they want to call us in for an emergency? Do they want us for some technical support? And so that line, as you said, is uh, is the battle, and and it can't. It's like a, it's like a football game. <laughs> the line can move back and forth depending on the circumstances. Right. So so that's where you're saying it originates. Is that? And let, let's let's use the example of an external consultant. Say it's an it's an outside company. And uh, it's an outside organization that's providing some service, some some project that's going to create something for the for the for the, the the buying organization, and so there is a there's going to be a um, a tenancy because you know there's budgets are always limited and so on. They might have say a hundred thousand dollars or something to spend, and as they start creeping close to that amount, that's the that's the thing that's going to start to motivate them to say well okay move that out of your scope you know hey consultant right. you don't have to do that we'll do it ourselves now and and that's where where i think you're saying they may not have a solid plan as to how like it's easy to say like okay we'll just use our own resources right. and it's kind of free as like they're they're here anyways but that's yeah. the thing that starts like the, the tendency to do that starts to create potential issues for the for, for, you know, the end result, you know, because, uh, and, and so, and so what happens after that? Like, what have you seen happen where the, the, the customer is stating, yeah, we'll do that. And then, you know, is it that, you know, partway through the project, they start to identify, well, we can't do that. So consultant, will you come and save the day on that? Well, a couple, couple things, multiple things happen. Um, one of the things uh, could be, you know, we'll have done something many times. It's just that it doesn't look like we're a good fit to do it right now. But we do know, you know, the process behind that. So we'll ask the customer, okay, so if you're going to do it, are you, will you be doing, you know, X, will you be doing these five steps? And then you get into discussion or about well, what do you mean five steps? We have three steps. And then you realize, okay, so that means you won't be doing this and you won't be doing that. Right. And that's when it's like, so who's doing that? In other words, what they feel the scope is could be different, you know, their part scope of the project, just one piece could be different than what 
the consultant thinks it is. And so you have to you have to find those gaps and determine who's going to do them. Um, even in the part that is in scope, quite often we have discussions where you know you're trying to get answers out of the client. They're worried about budget, which is why they're doing perhaps part of the project. And the, the answers start to get short. And you know they're not full, they're not complete. And they're, you're trying to pull maybe the, uh, some of the people you're interviewing are for, for requirements are reluctant. And so you're working them, trying to get the real scoop of you know, what could be the problems doing the scope and what is the real scope. And the perfect example of that, and this is, I call it you know, using the negative approach. They'll say, okay, this is what we want. And you've prepared in advance, this really helps. And then you say, okay, so that means you don't want this. And then immediately, oh, no, no, we want that. Okay, okay, so you want that and that. But that means, from what you said, you don't want this, right? So you start building these things and sometimes you're bumping into the scope that they said they were going to do with these questions. And you start to have a whole conversation that's a little more realistic on who's doing what when. Right. So it sounds like you are really needing to get pretty specific on scope. You know, like you're, and, and you're saying that, you know, one of the methods is be, is, is by saying, okay, then, then you're, you're, you're in effect not wanting this. Like that's, you're, you're saying you don't want this and that's where you're saying, oh, wait, 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 I don't, but, but the, the, the net result is that you are very much defining, um, you know, what's in and what's out of the, you're trying to get very particular on that. Is that, that's true? Absolutely. That, that I use the word negative. You know, we're not trying to be negative. Yeah. We're just, you know, you know, someone will tell you, I need a car. Oh, okay. So, you know, uh, what's the smallest car that's made today? <laughs> a smart car. Smart no, car. no, no, I need a bigger car. Right. What do you mean? Big car. Right. And so then you mentioned, uh, oh, Jaguar, you know, it's only $80,000. No, no, I don't need that. So it's simple things like that, obviously, in a more sophisticated context. But um, when they do say it's clarified and they say they're going to do it, you know, a, a million dollar question sometimes, well, exactly who on your side, if you don't mind me asking, is going to do that? And it could be the IT department, for example. And said, I thought your IT department was way overloaded. Like, you know, how are you going to secure some resources to get that piece done in a predictable time fashion? Because this is a time sensitive project, right? So then you have some, now that's a little bit tricky because they may just say, leave it up to us, we'll do it. But you, you know, depending on your relationship, you may be able to have a conversation there and they may come to the realization that this is going to be risky, relying on some of some of their internal resources because they're super busy. Yeah. So it, it seems to me there's a fair amount of risk involved here, right? Because you're, you're trying to, in that case, like there, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a curtain that's in front of their organization, whether it's internal or external, you don't have full visibility on their resources and their interrelationships with it or the marketing department or whoever it is that, that, you know, or, or even their own priorities. Like it may even be uh, people that are within the manager's, you know, um, 
direct control, but there might be other priorities. So you're, you're, there's a veil or a curtain that you can't see through. And you're basically having to ask the question, are you able to provide this? And they're going to say yes or no, you know, or, or, or maybe. And, and so it seems to me that there's a there's a big risk here because, you know, your, your project, you want to succeed. Like you're not looking, you're not a consultant who wants a failed project, you know, and, and, and having that thing at the end where you say, well, we did our part, but it's that guy's problem, especially when you're pointing at your customer is not, I don't think that's a happy place to be. So what, what have you done or could, could be done to mitigate that risk? Like, is it, you know, have a bunch of contingency resources in case they come at the last minute? Or, you know, is it, you know, what we said before, just, you know, really getting contractual level requirements in place? Like what, how do you, how do you, how do you mitigate or, or I guess safeguard yourself against, you know, the splatter coming back at the end, if this thing falls apart and it's because of their lack of resources or, or capabilities that it splatters back on you? That's a really good question. So a lot of the contracts, you know, I was working on with this one company, um, they were in the range of two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000. So they weren't, you know, multi-million dollar projects, but just, uh, and we, a lot of it was um, a statement of work and we would sign on it. Both parties would sign. So it wasn't really that rigid a contract, but putting in a segment on, um, and you could call it exclusions or customer responsibilities or maybe not out of scope. That's kind of, it's kind of like trying to, you know, absolve yourself from something, but something. And in that you're, you're highlighting uh, what the scope or the requirements are that the customer is going to do. And just a few friendly notes on, uh, you know, some challenges around it, maybe a couple of sentences maybe the expectations that, you know, the hope is that IT will be available to uh, do this in a reasonable amount of time, heavy workload. So it's almost like a very neutral story. Um, but when something comes up, something bubbles up, usually around three quarters of the way through the project, things start to escalate on price, people get tense. And they thought, I thought you were doing that. That's when you kind of just drift casually over and say, well, let's just look on the exclusion list or the customer you know, responsibility side. And you go down there and there's just this little friendly story on how they hope to do it and how they plan to do it. And there could be some issues. And then everyone kind of calms down and goes, oh, right. Yeah, we did help craft that or write that or agree to that. And then it becomes... So what do you want to do? You know, we can help you. It might mean more money. It might not. Maybe there's something else they can do in lieu of. But you're, yeah, you're trying to keep it friendly and work towards the goal. Um, and uh, yeah, it is. It's a dance. Like most yeah. client engagements, it's a dance. Right, right. And it's almost that, you know, if you've done this long enough, you'll realize that this often happens you know the, oh, the the world is a bit of a messy place when it when it comes to these sort of things and that you know two things come to mind is one is again the ongoing value of knowledge of your you know customer in this case your stakeholder but in this case customer and their organization and and gaining gaining their trust and and knowledge of of what's happening on their side you know probably allows you to um 
you know, have that sort of early warning system in place where you can kind of see the signs coming, which would allow you to react. Um, and the other thing is just, you know, it, it's, it's probably a thing to, to, you know, going into a project like this, just knowing that, well, you know, there's probably a, you know, a 25% or X percent probability that you might need to increase your effort. You know, you're, you might need to apply additional resources. And do you have access to those resources? Like what's, what's happening on your side if the other side can't carry the full weight? You know, do you have access? So it seems to me that that would be something that a consultant would be wanting to do. You know, that would be a good consultant would do that. Yeah, we, we used to have, we had this great question and we could use it at the project level or, you know, different pieces of work where we're debating on who's going to do what. So at the project level, uh, maybe maybe it did look like 50% work. Uh, the, the big question was, so do you, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, Ms. Customer, want to be responsible for this project and we're helping? Or do you want us to be responsible and you're helping? Now you can you can go down that into you know part three of five. You ask the same right. question. So for this piece, do you want to be responsible, and we'll help, or vice versa? And quite often, you know, like uh, in these friendly discussions with you know well-established relationships, you know, there'd be like a twenty-second pause where the customer is really thinking about this, and they're reflecting back to other projects. They're looking how busy IT is. And then they would kind of say, no, this, we want you to be responsible and we'll help. And then we're starting to define roles on, you know, who do we need from them to help? We, we can define what's their availability. We need commitments on that availability. Uh, part of all this is also uh, when we're breaking up these pieces, the pieces that the customer is doing specifically, we're trying to, in that exclusion list for lack of a better word, we're also trying to flag the ones that are sort of, well, I guess you could say they're on the critical path. They're the most important ones that'll delay the project, particularly if it's time sensitive. And we wanna make a note there, like something about you know the estimate for this piece of work, customer's going to do it. Here's who in the customer organization will do it. It's one week to two weeks, because that's the best they can estimate. But by capturing that, in that list, we kind of aggregate it and say, no, you realize we have this huge range in the project. We're part of the range, the, right. the consulting organization, but actually your range is actually bigger on the date that we're going to finish. And that acknowledgement really helps because without it, when things become late, the customer always expect the consultant will somehow make up the time. Yes. And sometimes we can, and we do want to, but sometimes we can't because the next piece is, you know, really predicated on the customer's resources. And we don't have a lot of influence in, you know, controlling their resources that they're having a hard time deploying anyways internally. So um, that's kind of another subtlety that we found worked. Yeah, no, I can, I can, I can see that for sure i really like your um you know who's 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 responsible and who's helping and having those those really honest discussions about that um like way before you ever get to the work you know to 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 do that it almost reminds me of you know one of the tools that 
that we teach is is uh, you know racy charts, responsibility assignment matrices, and so on. And in racy terminology, you know, it would be who's accountable, you know, mm-hmm. and who's and and who is responsible. Like the you know the accountable person will make sure it gets done, and the responsible is who's who's doing the work. And but I but I and so it's just different methodologies. But I like the you know the 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 approach you said really is almost a little more understandable, like that, that who helps, you know, yes, I'll be working on it. Yeah. Um, I'm taking, I, taking liberties yeah. with the racy format, right? I'm kind of not really different. A lot of customers, clients may not really use a racy. So to no. them, there's responsible and helpers and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and that's, it, it's a very uh, simple, direct question. Yeah. No, it's, it's not, not anything specific about racy. There's, there's lots of different, there's lots, there's lots of different ways to, to express it with different codes for different involvements and so on. I think it's just good having that discussion. Like that's, that's another example of saying, you know, you're, you're going into these, these, there's these uncharted waters that we're Mm -hmm. in, which is, you know, we have two organizations um, that are, that are working together for an outcome and trying to to figure out where where the lines are between them, and we're trying to document it as much as we can. Um, but there's there's just things that happen, and so you know whether you call it accountable or whether you call it responsible, as long as you you know what the words mean. But I but I do like you know even though it's not it's not racy, but the 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 term you know who's responsible for making sure making sure it gets done and who's helping them is a, I think a really key thing. And, and if that leads to further discussion, that's a good thing. Like if that's something that, you know, w- way early in the project, you can sit down and say, hmm, well, what is the answer to that? Now, if the answer comes back, well, we're both responsible. Well, that's something to dig into further. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know I've often, often said, well, you know, if everybody's responsible, no one's, you know, no one is. So- right. So you got to be, you know, and, and, and I you know that is debatable. I mean, you could, you could have scenarios where, no, I'm clearly doing these things and you're clearly doing those things. And that makes sense. But there's always this middle ground, this interface between the two that that question becomes as well, if that starts to fall apart, what happens then, you know, who's, who's going to pick it up and having that, having that type of discussion is, is, is key, I think you know, or as early as you can in the project. Yeah. I like when you said, you know, we, we try to avoid those and I definitely try to sometimes, um, and again, it depends on availability of resources and the relationship, but to try to get away from that, what we both are, it's like, okay, well, let's pick, even if we flipped a coin, let's pick um, two options. You know, you're responsible and if you, in order for you to feel comfortable with that, maybe we could provide one of our more senior people to assist and advise because they have done this 12 times before and vice versa. Now we're responsible in order to really understand your organization and make us feel like we, you know, can take on that responsibility. We'd be looking for a half day for two weeks of this person, you know, who's a real key person in your organization, but we need them. So again, this is all about scope, right? We're, we're trying to, go back and forth but it's a great discussion to have on the joint responsibility 
because then now we start bringing in more details. And another element of that is, I mentioned it already, is time. Right. Some of these things, um, if you're responsible, you know, they will, you can, you can have a conversation where they will say, um, yeah, we'll need between two to four weeks, which is a huge range for a specific activity or, um, and so the conversation might switch on given the timeline, can you live with that? Can you live with yourself being responsible for that? Because I understand you, you can't dictate certain resources. Um, and so that's a great conversation to have because the timeline frequently will bounce scope from one side to the other. Um, just right. the variability of the, or the, you can think of it as the risk and the duration of the overall project or pieces of the project. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not as straightforward as running around getting the requirements and then you know off you go and you're on your own. And uh, those are the easier projects. Yeah, there, there is that again, I was, that's what I was alluding to at the very start of our discussion is there is this linear, um, it's almost a mythical linear project that you, mm -hmm. you go get the requirements, you develop the scope, you, you, you develop the deliverables and you implement and it's all this sort of linear process and, and in the real world, it's much more iterative or circular than than that. And you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm trying to imagine. So, so I'm just thinking through in my mind of, okay, your, your customer, you know, there's a certain part of the scope that they're responsible for. You agreed to it before and, you know, et cetera, the appropriate documentation. And, and you, you, you worked it out in your schedule that it was going to be two weeks that they're, mm -hmm. they, you know, and they agreed to it, you know, two months ago, they said, yep, two weeks is good. Plenty of time. Uh, the project progresses and they come back to you and say, oh, it's going to be five, you know, I, 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 we can't get it done. IT's busy or whatever, or somebody's right. on holidays that we didn't know that they were going to be sick or on holidays. So it's going to be five weeks. And, and you will then go, Oh, well, we, we had a task. We, we were depending on that. And, you know, yeah. we, we even left a little gap of two and a half weeks. We left a little contingency in our schedule we, we, we said we're okay if it's two and a half weeks, but what are we going to do now? And it's five weeks. Um, and, and so it seems to me that would happen, you know, that that's probably at a, you know, a, not an uncommon occurrence. And so it really, you know, leads to me the, the importance of, you know, first of all, being able to know what the impact is. Like you're going to be, you know, I'm sure, you know, back in your office, when you get that news, the first thing you're going to do is go, oh boy, you know, yeah. oh, we're going to have to work this one through. But having, you know, a, a decent handle on your own critical path and your own resources and so on, we'll, we'll be able to, to, to determine, well, can we work with that? What can we do to shift things around? If it is five weeks, what does that mean? You know, that's, that to me is the, the value of, of, of having good data on your side, you know. Um, you know, in that discussion of uh, the customer doing a piece of work, th there's the discussion on the actual scope, you know, the resources or the skills or the knowledge to do that scope. And then there was the impact on the schedule, which might swing it from the customer over to the consultant. But another part of that is the impact piece you mentioned. So one of the things, 
um, by trying to identify at a fairly granular, granular, granular level the elements of the scope that the client is doing or, or your exclusion list, you can put a lot of columns in there. It can just be two, depending, but it could be like five. And one of them is the, the impact on the, you know, maybe a critical path type problem. But the other one is, if this is delayed, the follow-on pieces are done by resources that from the consulting firm are booked four weeks in advance. So if that misses, we're telling you now, we only have one available in Canada who knows you know, certain mainframe software. We can fly someone in from the US at about twice the price when you add up travel and currency and you identify that, right? And that's another point where they may say, no, we still want to do this, but you've got it in your exclusion list as a, it's a, it's a risk, right? And if it doesn't come back to you in terms of you take it over, that's fine. But then no one's surprised when, you know, you're saying, okay, well now, now not only is it two weeks late, then we're going to have to have a two week gap before we can bring that person as per you know, our document that we jointly worked on. The more you can get the client to work on this exclusion list with you, the better. Right, right. It seems to me it's a combination. We're, all, we're almost describing a combination of, of, you know, it's probably true of a lot of things in projects of there, there is an element of preventative nature. If you, can, if you can come up with lists, if you can figure out who's responsible, if you can put all your cards on the table, initially and build a, you know, a, a full, a full uh, plan, it starts to minimize this from happening. But then the other half is, it's just going to happen. Like this is, you know, the, the, the um, messiness of the real world, the changing priorities, the, the, the you know, um, emergencies that come up means this is going to happen. You just have to be good at this. You just have to be able to, to be able to react. And then like you say, say, well, you know, there, there's, there's a resource in the U S it will cost X amount to happen. He or she can be here by this date and here's the impact. And, and yeah. do we want to do this or not? So this, this constant kind of reshuffling of the, of the constraints just to say, well, okay, now this, this, this will cost us an extra $10,000. It'll delay us by this amount of time. But do we want to do it? Like that's, that to me is being able to have that conversation is key. Yeah, I, uh, this this example I used was um, uh, integration, usually from package systems over to custom systems. But um, another organization I worked with, we did uh, custom Salesforce implementations, including coding, um, and we used Agile. And mm -hmm. so this relationship with the client was a lot easier on you know two week sprints typically, where the the scope for that two weeks right or a sprint backlog had certain things and then we could switch it. The customer was very engaged with us. You know, they're looking for the next demo. Right. Um, and it's a whole different, um, it's a different attitude. And I wish we could do that with, with everything, but a lot of things, um, a lot of projects just, you know, we, we can't really fit them into that model. So part of what we're talking about today is kind of doing the best we can, given we don't have that tight, working relationship with uh, say end users like we might have in an agile project so why do you think that's that's interesting why do you think that is like that's um you know if that if that could solve it 
why wouldn't you know every project we say hey why don't we work this way you know what's what's stopping what 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 do you feel is stopping some some projects from going that way or oh that's the whole that's the big picture agile question right customers who say i want a fixed price or a fixed price not to exceed or i want to you know i i want to know it's between you know x and y dollars in a fairly small bracket and define the scope and then we can get financial approval and in agile it's a little bit of different approach as we're trying to create the most value we can which may not be a tightly defined scope it right depends on what we find out we find something more valuable and the product owner wants to implement that then that's the direction we're going to go in the next sprint, right? So, right. Um, yeah, right. I thought of it. it could be financial control, budgeting, and an integration. You know, that's perhaps not the best candidate. Although I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but it's you know there may not be a, a, a huge upside in the value of that integration. It's more like we just have to do this because doing it manually with spreadsheets, we're making too many errors and it's costing right. us money. Right. And right. so, it, and, and yeah, so I mean, really what you're saying, there are, there are just certain types of situations where um, there is a need for a certain functionality to be completed by a certain date, you know, yeah. Yeah. which is, leads us more to, to traditional, you know, if it was a, you know, if you're a consultant coming in and helping a, an organization, um, you know, uh, become update their financial systems to be ready for say 2022 tax regulations, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they're, you know, that, that's, that's a, that's a hard deadline that, that you, you, you need to meet um, and you have certain functionality by that time, which would perhaps uh, reduce the potential to, to iterate through a number of, of sprints and sort of see what you get, where you get at sort of certain point in time. You know, if you kind of blend the two, um, trying to, um, and this is more of an, I, I think it's more of an IT thing. Um, when you're entering some of these projects where uh, not only is there a big discussion over who's doing what between the customer and the consultant, let's say, or a consulting firm, um, the overall scope is still maybe a bit of a question mark. Mm -hmm. um, so trying to introduce early that, we will probably find more scope, even in an integration, less so in integration, but still we would find things that in order to get the integration between A and B, we actually had to do a minor integration to system C. And no uh -huh. one really saw that. We, we discovered it in the process, right? But opening or presenting the door that if we don't, we may not have the budget or we may just find too many things that we, that we'll have to park and get back to and justify it another time. So just starting that conversation really early, at least um, mitigates clients trying to stuff more things into the project that clearly weren't budgeted or anticipated by everyone. And they're trying to sort of pressure you into doing it. And in the relationship, you'll do so much, but you don't want to lose money on a job because of something that wasn't your fault. Right. So, you know, there's a line there, but having that bucket and having it um, there at the very beginning of discussing the project, 
that when we find a certain threshold of stuff, we should be accumulating it, taking advantage when it comes up and parking it for, you know, maybe it's version two and no more with an integration. We missed a right. few things, everyone missed them. We, we managed to plug a few holes, but, um, and that even works better, obviously, when you're doing a, uh, a new implementation of a, a, an ERP system or even a small app, smaller app where, you know, there's more configuration to be done, but we can't get to it all. And it's no one's fault. We just, no one, you know, we learn as we go. So that kind of helps take some of the pressure off of the, the last minute scope battle as in, you know, everyone's pointing fingers at everyone else should have foreseen this. Right. Right. Well, it, it's so this has been a great discussion, uh, Derek. I mean, you're, you're, you're pointing out, I think that, the, you know, if I, if I really kind of think of the summary of the discussion, you're pointing out a, a you know, a, a key challenge in, in many organizations is this massaging of the scope back and forth, you know, especially mm -hmm. when it's between two departments in an organization or two organizations if it's, if it's external and just how challenging and, and difficult this is, you know, and uh, so that's why, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a key thing to consider, you know, what the role of agile is in this in terms of, you know, um, uh, setting up sprints that can be helped to manage this as well as a, is another aspect of it as well. So uh, anyways, I, I, thanks for, uh, thanks for providing this insight into it from, from your perspective and I appreciate the discussion with you. Oh, my pleasure. I just, I'll point out that before we started you know, thinking about this, we didn't have exclusion lists in our statements of work that we signed with customers. And when we did start putting them in and got better and better at them, the whole relationship and the volatility of the projects went way down. So I right. think it's a worthwhile effort. Yeah, good. No, it's, uh, and, and that certainly is when it really comes down to it, communication, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, relationships, documentation. So if you, if you can blend those together, the exclusion list, like you say, are a good aspect of it. So that's 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 the way out of this little. That's the way out of this this challenge. You know, that's that helps you get those things done. So good insights on that. So, but uh, anyways, well, thanks again. It's great always thanks, talking Dave. to you. Okay, well, enjoy Take it. Care. Take care.